Welcome back to another edition of the Maryville Forum Sports Podcast. I'm John Dykstra, joined as every week by Anthony Crane, coming to you late on a uh, on a Monday night. Happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody. Um, just diving into it here, we're uh, talk about last week's basketball tournament. Some great action last week. Um, Anthony, I know we were both kind of bouncing around different tournaments every week. Um, before we get into specifics and really breaking down, what were some of your big takeaways from from last week or maybe one big takeaway from uh, last week's action? Uh, the good teams we cover were really good. Um, you, know, you saw some progress from Platte Valley boys. Uh, I think there were some – uh, disappointing performances in the Fairfax tournament. Uh, but all in all, it was a pretty good week of basketball. Yeah, it really was. Um, the Fairfax tournament had the most local teams in it, so we will start there. Um, on the girls' side, kind of like you said, a little disappointing early. Uh, Nottaway Holt made the semifinals, uh, beat St. Joe Christian to make make it to there, and then they ran into that really tough East action team and ended up taking fourth in that tournament. Um, North Nottaway came in seated second um, based on their record. They've had all those injuries of late. And as we kind of talked about last week, we figured Falls City might be a little underrated going into that uh, with their seventh seed. And sure enough, they were, and they, they put up 70 points on, on North Nottaway in that first round, ended up making it to the finals, giving, giving East Action a game, but coming in second in that tournament. So um, I know uh, North Nottaway finished pretty strong and ended up taking second or, or winning their last two games and taking fifth, uh, winning out that consolation bracket. So a two-in-one and two and week is still a solid week for North Nottaway. Um, West Nottaway had to play East Action again. That's always tough. And then they fell uh, to St. Joe Christian uh, in the consolations again. So uh, on the boys' side, really, really a, a tough start. Um, West Nottaway losing to East Action again. I know they didn't expect to lose to them once, and then, then they didn't expect to lose twice, and they lost both times. So um, that's that's a tough finish for uh, West Nottaway. They came back, same thing as North Nottaway, came back to, to win uh, fifth place out of there, but it's definitely not what they wanted from that week. Um, Nottaway Holt came up with, with a win in that tournament after losing their first-round game, came back to beat West Nottaway, um, or beat North Nottaway, excuse me, and, uh, and ended up taking sixth, I guess you'd say, in that tournament, losing to West Nottaway in that final. So um, just going over those scores, what what kind of uh, – we had a little bit of resilience from our team, but those tough first rounds kind of hurt their overall placing in yeah. those tournaments. Yeah, um, and that's I think that's the disappointing part. When you look at West Nottaway and how they performed – in their next two games, uh, especially against South Holt, who is a, a solid basketball team. And, you know, you hold them to 38 points, uh, almost beat them by 30. Play like that in round one against East Atchison, you probably win that game. 
Um, and then close it out with a big win over not. So. Yeah. Yeah. That they, they finished pretty strong. I think, yeah, that's kind of my takeaway too. Uh, I'll go to the other side though. The uh, North, North Nottoway girls um, just having to overcome so many injuries and, and some tough luck this year uh, with that right now they're missing two starters, but then another girl who would have been a starter. And if, if she was there without these two, so um, that's, that's a tough hand to be dealt and they've still got a, a really nice record um, so far this season. Uh, They'll get some tough games coming up um, that should really test them. But, but so far pretty, uh, they're handling it as well as you can hope. Um, people like I talked to Elena Renfro on Saturday after that game, and she has gone from hardly playing any minutes for them as kind of their eighth, ninth man to now she is playing every minute of the game because she's a starter and they their bench is all freshmen and and they are trying to play them sparingly and kind of work them in. So it's she's an every minute player now for them, along with along with the usuals you'd expect with Lauren Herndon, Jackie Klein, Jane and Dobbins and uh, Saren Brown. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop here moving forward. Um, the uh, another one of the small school tournaments that we had this week was over in Stanbury. And the highlight game from that was certainly the girls final with Stanbury and Platte Valley. And uh, covering that game live, Sarah Langford, man, she can uh, – we don't see her play as much for them. Actually, we see her a lot in these blowouts, but playing those critical minutes. Malia Collins got in foul trouble, and Sarah Langford just came in and, and was the player of the game for them. And normally eighth, ninth man for that team that's so deep. Um, and – she came in, played great defense. That's what Coach Peterson talked about after the game is he knew – he always knows she's going to defend and be great on that press, just just like all those other guards are. But she scored 13 points, led him in scoring, hit a couple threes, um, just looked really good in that game, only a sophomore. Um, just some more evidence of how bright the future is at Platte Valley, even after they lose seniors like – like uh, Paige West and Malia Collins and, and all of them, they're still going to be really good moving forward. So um, yeah. just a really impressive finish for them. What what do you think of the, the girl side of that tournament? Yeah, you and I, we uh, rotated. I was at the King City game, um, and it was kind of ugly, to be honest, uh, to start off with. They just uh, they didn't really seem focused, uh, made some mistakes, um, and won by 27 points. Um and like you were talking about the depth of that team, uh, I really saw that, and I kind of talked about that in the story was, you know, the first half, uh, we kind of saw uh, the 2000 uh, or the last season, last season uh, that kind of formed from Jacqueline Papper, who kind of led them offensively. Um, and then the second half, uh, the Collins sisters were really, really good. Um, and even with, uh, you know, not their best day, uh, they beat a decent King City team by almost 30. Um, so they're, you know, they're just really good. Um, and to beat Stanbury uh, the way they did with Malia in trouble, um, 
and it's a good sign for them moving forward. Yeah, the other another standout from that game, uh, I think, is Steph Turpin. She had back to back threes, deep one on the second one. It's a little bit of a heat check for her, and uh, didn't really need to shoot it much more the rest of the game. She didn't have that many attempts, but just showing that they can shoot. Um, I've talked about this before, but that was the biggest question. I knew they were going to defend. I knew they had post players. I knew Jackie Papper, returning All-State player. But losing Kaylin LeMaster, the question was, were they going to be able to space the floor at all? And it's been really a team effort in that regard. Like I said, Sarah Langford hit a couple threes the other, that game. Uh, Malia had a three in, like, the first possession and uh, has really shot the ball a lot better than she did last year. Um and and Steph's hitting threes too. Paige can shoot it from out there. They have they have a lot of options among those girls, and it's not really a whole team, or it's not like one girl beating or kind of lifting up where they were missing Kaylin. They're they're just all shooting and better. Whereas last year, Kaylin was by far their main outside shooter. So that's nice to see for them moving forward, and I think a a really big key for them and. Also, a key um, I'll mention is that post play because when you can bring Sydney Dean and Madeline Matson off the bench as post players, it's just kind of unfair. It's it's like those two are would be the go to post options on almost any other team, and they are just coming in as the backup bigs and just beating up on on tired units out there. So. Um, there, it's it's uh, just a really nice team, nicely built, and uh, and Tyler's managing to find playing time for all these talented girls. So you yeah. like to see that too. Well, that's what uh, I talked to him about. Um, whatever day I was there, it was a long week. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, Thursday you were there probably. I feel yeah. like Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Thursday. But uh, <laughs> you know. I talked to him, and, uh, you know, that's a team that's just – you're never going to get a Tony Osborne performance out of any of them. Um, you know, like Sarah Langford led them with 13 in the finals. Uh, Maggie Collins led them in the semis with 15. Um, it's just it, – it's impressive at how unselfish they are as a team uh, offensively. Yeah, they're, they're a talented team, and – uh, on the other side of things, on the other side of that tournament, the boys um, obviously didn't win the tournament like the girls, but, boy, they were impressive on Saturday when I watched them play the third-place game against Stanberry. They did end up winning that game, but they fell behind early. Austin Swayback is a stud, um, just a, a really good player. Both the Swayback kids, actually, um, for Stanberry are terrific um, basketball players, that's for sure, and football players if you want to go to that too. But uh, they're just really good athletes. But ba- they're they're built for basketball with all that length and athleticism. Um, but they – Stanberry came out, built a big lead, and old Platte Valley, they just roared back into it. Three-point shooting, really strong out of them. Trevor McQueen's been doing it all year for them. Um, Memphis Bliley had a big game, um, shooting, made three threes in that game. Uh, yeah, they just, they were hitting from all over. Um, Carter Luke hit a three, uh, Matt Germain too. So 
they were just they were letting it rain, and they built a two point lead in that game, uh, going into the final couple minutes. Then a tough turnover in the backcourt. Um, Swayback Tyler Swayback uh, stole one, was going in for a layup. Uh, Platte Valley fouled him. They called the intentional foul on it. I think that is a play that you see in basketball all the time, and it's kind of a wink and a nod and not an intentional foul. Uh, Tim Germain agreed with the call afterwards, so he might be a better sport than I am if I was in that situation. Uh, but it ended up being a four-point play because Swayback made both the free throws for the intentional. They got the ball back. Uh, Colin Sager, I believe, scored uh, for them to uh, to take the lead, and it flipped the two-point Platte Valley lead into a two-point Stanberry lead. Stanberry made the free throws down the stretch, and uh, Platte Valley ended up fourth in that tournament. But just a, a strong performance, I thought, from Platte Valley, who was given up, seemed like six inches on every in every matchup against Stanberry. That Stanberry team is so so big with the Swayback boys, uh, Sager, all those guys in there, Landon Martik, um, they, they're just really a big team. And uh, the Stam- or Platte Valley was able to, to play with them, get position, and then obviously hit some shots. So uh, strong performance from Platte Valley, even though they go uh, one and two in the tournament. Um, but, Anthony, I know you saw the boys too. And that, what what did you think of uh, – how they how they performed in that tournament? You know, I thought the the first round game was that's an impressive win for them. Uh, the second the second round game against North Andrew, uh, I I think you could feel the disappointment from everyone in that one, just because they, you know, they took the twenty point loss earlier in the year, um, and you kind of you kind of thought. Um, that maybe they learned something from that, you know, even led at the end of the first quarter. And then just they just let the size and athleticism of North Andrew wear them down. Um, so that's that's what made the next game against Stanberry even more impressive, even though they lost. Um, was that that's a Stanberry team that's uh, longer, taller, uh, more athletic, and you hung around with them. So I think maybe what they though you don't want to go one and two in a tournament, uh, they can learn something from this. Uh, I don't, I know we're talking about the tournament, but the next four or five games for Platte Valley could, it could be tough. You know, that is a brutal stretch they have coming up. Um, but if they can learn some things, um, you know, from playing these tough teams, um, they could finish the season, you know, rattle off six or seven straight wins um, and can be better for all this um, at the end of the season. Um, but right now you're just seeing uh, kind of the youth um, and the inconsistency from them. Uh, you know, Trevor McQueen, while he's a senior, um, it's the first time he's been uh, the focus of the offense um, and someone they kind of have to rely on. And I think you kind of saw that against North Andrew was, you know, he got a little bit of foul trouble and they just, they weren't hitting shots. Um, that's kind of how the game got out of hand. Um, so for them, uh, even for the seniors, it's it's learning to be uh, the leaders of that team. Um, and for the young kids, it's learning how to play varsity basketball. Um, and luckily for them, you know, they got, like I said, tough stretch, uh, things lighten up uh, back half of the season. And I think they're going to be, you know, maybe not a dangerous team at the end of the season, 
um, but a much better team than uh, the record will show. Yeah, these uh, the scheduling is always interesting, Class 1, because obviously a team like Maryville who plays separate boys and girls schedules, a year when the, when the girls are pretty loaded and want to test themselves, um, you, can, you can load up with some good teams in that, and if the boys are down that year, then maybe you – you take it a little easier and play your conference teams and, and play teams that you could keep it, keep it a good game with. Um, for class one, you don't really have that option with, with back to back. So I think it's a little bit, they wanted to load up the girls schedule and coach Jermaine's never one to want to schedule, uh, schedule cupcakes. That's for sure. They're going to get better because of this, but you're right. If they played, maybe a normal class one schedule. Like we've seen, we've seen some other schedules. Um, this could be six, seven, eight win team. Instead they're, they're struggling a little bit, but, but I think they're, they're probably close a year strong and, and should have some momentum going into going into districts. Um, but a boys team that's not struggling right now, even though they did drop one game in the, in the uh, South Harrison tournament is the Northeast Nottaway boys. Um, you saw their third place game in that tournament. Um, I know they've got kind of a fun group of guards out there with Austin Pride as a big guy who can do a lot of things. So what do you see from, from that group uh, on Saturday? Uh, I saw a group that um, it's a lot of fun to watch how they play basketball. Uh, what was more impressive in that tournament was, you know, they were without their head coach for it. Um, and, you know, your one loss came against uh, the two seed. Uh, it was a 12-point loss. Um, but then, you you know, they just blew the brakes off of North Harrison. Uh, ben Boswell, when he gets going, uh, he's one of the funner guards to watch at a, a Class 1 level. Um, he's just always got his hands on the ball. Um, and when he gets the ball, he, he rarely misses. Um, and then Austin pride, you know, down low, uh, he's, he see, like we've talked about, he's bigger, but somehow he's, he looks more athletic this year. Um, then you add in Dylan McIntyre, the young kid, uh, who's really good. Um, it's just a lot of, you know, there's, they don't have a ton of players, um, but they have enough depth on that bench, um, that they can go seven, seven guys deep um, and you don't really miss a beat with them. Um, so that was really, it was impressive to see from them uh, to come out in that uh, final, you know, that third place game and do what they did to uh, a pretty, you know, a decent North Harrison team. Yeah. I've, I've doing that without Rory Jackson. I've, I've said it before. I think Rory's one of the better coaches in not just our coverage area, but in the, in Northwest Missouri, I think he's a really good coach and, uh, He's he uh, doing that without him and kind of the initiator of that style they play is is really impressive. And that group with being such a young group, they don't have any seniors. They return everybody next year. I think that's that's a team to watch moving forward. And uh, on the girls side, Northeast suffered a couple losses. They were really competitive in, in a couple of those games, especially with Princeton. Uh, but they they suffered a couple losses. I, I like where that program's continuing to go. We've talked about it a couple times on here, but I think I think Luke Cox is doing a good job with 
with that group just kind of instilling that that competitive mindset and that winning winning mindset really even if it doesn't always show up in the win-loss column and they're going to have a few opportunities for a few more wins coming up for sure and I, I think that's a program that's it's going in the right direction, especially playing some of their young players. Joe Boswell, we talked about um, her her big brother, Ben, but she's really playing well for that team as a freshman, just kind of break it in. I remember when Ben was, was doing the same thing with the boys team when he was a freshman and the smallest guy on the court in every game we've seen. Luckily for him, he's hit a growth spurt a little bit, but playing with Spencer Weir and those guys uh, just – he, he was kind of going through the same stuff she is now as a freshman. And obviously, he's turned into a really good player. And I think she's already a good player, but she could be very good moving forward. Delaney Offord as well as a, as a post player for them is, is really coming along, I think, and really a force on the offensive glass. And she's got some post moves, too, that can – that can work in there. So um, I've been impressed with the growth I've seen out of uh, Northeast Ottawa's girls this year. And I think there's a bright future ahead of them. Um, and maybe even later this season, like I said, it'd be nice for that group to get a few wins for their senior class. has really done a lot with players like Ann Sheever and Cassie Redden and, and those girls. So yeah. got high hopes for them. Fish in the season, pretty strong here. So, um, a good a, a good showing despite two losses for them in that Bethany tournament. Um, yeah. But moving to our teams that don't didn't have tournaments this week, but certainly played a lot of games. We're we'll start with the Maryville girls, who it felt like every day this week had a huge game on the schedule. It started early in the week. Serena Sundell getting two thousand points, obviously a huge accomplishment for her. Um, a spectacular accomplishment, really. I felt bad for there was a there was a uh, East Buchanan senior that got a thousand points in that same game, and got it like a couple plays after Serena did, and they had to announce it. I was that's that's a huge accomplishment in itself, but when it comes after a girl just scored twice that many, um, it it's you don't get the applause that you might've gotten otherwise. So felt bad for her, but that uh, just an amazing accomplishment for Serena. We talked about her a lot. She's, she's amazing at basketball. That's for sure. And volleyball and track. If I can convince her to go out for track this year. Um, but yeah, it's just a really impressive. Uh, they, they obviously picked up the weight in that game. But their more impressive wins came later in the week. Uh, St. Pius conference game. St. Pius ranked in actually two classes in the uh, Missouri basketball coaches poll, which is a mistake on their part. They're a class five team. They're ranked seventh in class five. So we'll go off that. They're fourth in class three if they were only playing that class three schedule. But little unranked uh, Class 4 Maryville going into St. Pius and pulling out a win there. Um, big game for Kendall Harkrider's Splash Sisters, Anison Petlin and Serena Sundell, each hitting a bunch of threes, really carrying the offense in that one. It was a physical game. Officials let a lot of stuff go. I know Serena was frustrated a few times in that game. Um having that AEU background for all those kids kind of help because those aren't, aren't always the 
uh, best officiated games when you're playing that club basketball. And she said that before, how that kind of makes her tough for high school, which is they call a lot more in high school than they call in those games. So I think that probably paid off. But they they hit her every time she got to the lane. Seeing her finish with only two made two-point field goals is a rarity. But she filled it up from three-point range. And the Smooth Hounds picked up a big win in that one. Uh, then they welcomed another ranked team on Saturday against Glenwood. Uh, Glenwood, Iowa, the number one ranked Class 4A team in Iowa. Um, and Maryville pounded them. The Splash Sisters did their things again, and uh, they ended up with a big win. Serena scoring 45. Anthony, you covered that game for us. Um, I got to see the second half as well, but you you covered the whole game for us. So what did you see from that game other than Serena being Serena? Uh, You know, I talked to Albrecht about this after the game. Um, And, you know, Serena, uh, you know, was great. Uh, you know, 45 points is, you know, it's a great accomplishment in high school basketball. Um, but the most impressive thing or the thing that if they can continue this moving forward, uh, that really stood out to me uh, was, you know, Riley uh, Beertaller and, you know, she had 19 points, um, but that was, a, that was a big 19 points, um, you know, and if they can continue to work like that together, uh, throw in Aniston who, could miss in that first half. Um, they it could be dangerous, you know. I, I I think you know the two teams combined for 17 three pointers. Uh, you showed up and they stopped making them. Uh, but you know that first half was a lot of fun, and you know set, setting a school record uh, for points in the game against the number one team uh, from Iowa, where you know uh, you know better than everyone. Basketball, sports in general, is pretty. It's a pretty big thing up there. Um, so to do that um, against that team was really, really impressive. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my takeaway was, you know, Serena was Serena. Um, and when those lights come on against a team like Glenwood, she, she gets even better. Um, but the supporting cast and what they were able to do uh, was really fun to watch. Um, you know, you were there in that second half late. Uh, things got a little chippy. Uh, that's a Glenwood team that doesn't lose often. Um, it doesn't lose like that. Um, and you could see the frustration. And for Maryville, they enjoyed that. Um, you know, maybe you don't want to get pushed around. That's not always fun. Um, but when you're when it's happening to you because you're putting it on a team like that, um, that makes it enjoyable. Yeah. Um, my takeaway from that game, honestly, is this team can win basketball games in any style you want to win a basketball game in. I know covering them in that tournament in Crete, Nebraska over break, they held the top five team in Nebraska, second largest division, to 30 points and and were able to win that game when they weren't shooting wild themselves. And then to come back here and beat the number one ranked team in Iowa with 90 points, it's like they they can either lock up or they can uh, – or they can just fill it up like that. So it's just really impressive. We kind of knew a couple years ago when seeing Aniston and Riley come in that this team was going to have um, a lot of playmakers on it. Um, Serena's obviously that that head honcho that 
it's never a bad thing when she's taking a shot um, because there's a good chance it's going in. But they have a lot of options on this team. Um, Riley having a big game, I think, was was good for them. She hasn't been scoring as much lately. Just those guards have been so good that uh, you don't need to go to the post as much. But seeing her come up with the big game, um, Emily had a nice game as well. I know she uh, she gave you um, some words after the game, which was always fun. I like love to see a fired up Emily out there. So uh, we'll get her her some more post game comments eventually, but. Um, she's been good playing all those minutes. That's really the big thing for me to seeing that is those top four, Emily Casavas, Serena Sandel, Anison Petlin, Riley Vertaler, all play every minute now with Lauren Cullen out. And then Ava Dumke plays a lot of the game and gets rotated in a little bit with Candy Kerr's. And, and just seeing those players, these physical games the last couple of games and seeing them play every minute um, kind of speaks to their toughness. And um, especially those bigs, like Serena and Aniston, they're guards. They kind of used to pretty much playing the whole game. But you're, in an ideal world, you're supposed to rotate your bigs. But Riley Vertaler and Emily Casabod played like I said, these whole games. And I don't think they got a rest against Pi or against Glenwood either. I know they played the whole game against Pius and that's just really impressive from them. And I think a sign of good things to come. Um, as long as that group stays healthy, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with, even if they don't get ranked in the coaches poll until they win the state championship. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see moving forward. Uh, another team, though, big win, uh, the Maryville boys against Glenwood. Really impressive. Uh, Glenwood came in, also a top-ten-ranked team in Iowa. They were ranked ninth, um, but also 9-1, and one, have an electric score, um, which is where I'll kind of start. I didn't interview Caleb after the game, kind of regretted it after because defense wins championships, the old thing. And Caleb played – Caleb Kreisinger played some amazingly good defense on Ryan Bloom, who's uh, their main scorer for Glenwood, averages 24 points a game. And he still got over 20 in that game. But, man, Caleb made him work for everything, and it took a lot of shots for him to get to, to, get to his average in that game. So I was really impressed with that. Um, Caleb's – Guy who's kind of been finding himself offensively. He's an aggressive player with those drives and really can collapse the defense. Um, Kids shoot it a little bit too, but man, when he's locked in defensively like that, it's impressive. I know Trey Houchin told me after the game that that uh, uh, Caleb had texted him that morning because they they'd done their film work on Glenwood all week. And Caleb had said he was feeling dangerous on defense going into that one and that he was going to lock up 42, which was Blum's number. So he uh, he certainly did. He played really well. Trey Houchin, that kid can just shoot the ball, just like his brother Tyler. But, man, he, he might even have more range. Don't tell Tyler I said that. But he, he pulled one from the logo in that game. Really, really impressive. Kind of a heat check. But you like it when those heat checks go in. 
Um, and they did. He He's playing fantastic. Kanan Stecklein, 25 points in that game. Kanan's just he, – he's taken that leap and that next step as, as a basketball player, I think, this year and is playing really well. And Mark Gus is saying Keaton Stone, um, they're, they're just a solid, deep team, um, really good. Derek Quinlan even hit a buzzer-beating three in that game. Um, they've got depth off the bench with Staples and Farnan. And uh, Spencer Wilner, who scored six points off the bench as a big. Um, they're, they're really coming together, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Spoof Hound uh, boys this year. I know you got to cover them for the first time recently, um, getting out there and seeing them. I've kind of hogged them all to myself early in the year. So um, what – what do you like about Coach Steckline's group this year and uh, what they're what they're really doing out there? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I had talked about uh, in previous podcasts that uh, the biggest difference was, you know, they bounced back from a really, really slow start last year, um, and they're not needing it this year. Um, their losses have been, you know, losses that you would expect. You know, a uh, few things go differently. They beat Benton. Mound City is you – know, I don't want to say they're unbeatable, but there there are many teams out there that can hang with them. Uh, you know, Lafayette's really good. Um, and then, you know, last week we didn't really talk about uh, the center game, another really good team where after that Oak Grove win, uh, they were they were ready for center um, to kind of, you know, carry that momentum. Um, and while they lost that game, a five-point loss to center um, – isn't a terrible thing, especially when you had to play the night before. Um, but then to do turn around and do that late in that game too, they were frustrated after that loss. And I know I didn't mention that, but that's something Trey and Kaden both talked about yesterday was kind of a little redemption finishing out a win, um, which they had some scary moments late against Glenwood too. They had a couple turnovers that they're going to want to get cleaned up, but they hit their free throws down the stretch uh, Caden was four for four in the last minute. Travis two for two. Uh, Mark was one for two. Um, yeah, they they hit their shots late. Keaton was three for four. I think they went to the line a lot at the end because Glenwood kept hitting threes late um, too, which I know Trey kind of is kind of the emotional leader on that that group a lot of times. I think, and he was getting fired up with trying to get them to close that game. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd like to add, yeah, they, they had that lead late against center and couldn't couldn't hold it. And you, the very next game, you kind of saw some lessons learned from that. Yeah, and, that you know, that's what I really uh, was really most impressed about in that Oak Grove game um, and kind of saw that if they can keep building on that with Caden and Mark, um, that could be a really dangerous duo. Um, plus, you add in the other pieces – um, you know, Keaton had a dunk in that game. Um, so they're, they're a solid team. Um, they can really add some wins as the season goes on. You know, they play Savannah, uh, a team that they should beat. Um, and then they have the tournament, Cameron tournament. Uh, we'll see. I'm not exactly sure who all's in that, but I would imagine that's a tournament that they should do um, some good things in. Um, but it's good to see that, you know, they're not having to – um, you know, make up for a bad, you know, first half of the season this year. Um, and they just continue to build uh, with that young group. Yeah, they're they're a fun team for sure. I know they've had a lot of success in the Cameron tournament. 
years prior. Uh, they won it two years ago, I know. I'm not sure how they did last year, um, not being here, but um, I know I know they've won it in the past. That tournament's usually got some good teams. We haven't seen the bracket yet for that, but Smithville's been in that in the past, um, some of those larger schools. So it's a lot of MEC schools, but then they normally draw a couple larger teams as well. So should be a good field in Cameron whenever that comes out for both the boys and the girls. Um Cheryl yeah. Coffee will be in that, Cameron. There will be a lot of ranked teams on the girls' side, which will make it make it interesting with our little underdog spoof hounds and their unrankedness and girls. So, yeah. bring that up again, just in case any of the coaches are listening from the, yeah. from the Missouri Coaches Association. So, And looking back to last year, uh, this was the time of year where they turned it around. They've reached the finals of that Cameron tournament, uh, lost to Chillicothe. Um, and then just rattled off, uh, you know, six straight wins after that. Um, and they basically have the same schedule this year. Um, and I think, you know, they're just a better team than they were last year. So um, all things considered, you would uh, kind of predict that they, um, without knowing exactly who's in that tournament, but if it's the same kind of field, um, you know, that's a team that probably should reach the finals again, the way they're playing. Um, but, you know, we've seen in these tournaments, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a little inverse from the girls' schedule. The girls kind of start MEC play a little lighter with teams like Lafayette and, and Savannah early, whereas whereas those are the, the strongest teams. Well, Savannah not so much this year, but Lafayette especially in the boys' side. So you always start MEC um, with your probably best chance to lose an MEC game and the best team in the MEC, especially this year with Lafayette. So um, that's that's nice to finish the year strong if you're Maryville and not have to deal with them again. But I I sense that both teams are kind of really – I mean, the girls have been peaking all year. You didn't say – I mean, I know people – different people think different things about the Platte Valley loss and how quality that is. I think most people in Maryville know that that's a quality loss. Um, and a really good team, but I, I think maybe I even heard it just going down to different games that 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 was a tough loss for them. I was like, oh, they probably win the class one state championship, so I don't think it's too bad of a loss, but to each his own. So there, I think they've been really peaking all season, and the boys are really after that Lafayette game really uh, kicking into high gear right now, and that's that's good to see. So um, to wrap up, another team starting to kick in high gear is the, uh, the Spoofhound wrestling team. Uh, they, they went down to Plattsburgh this weekend. Karen Watkins, um, who has been a stud now for four years for them, is actually wrestling with a torn ACL. He's got his leg wrapped up pretty good, but still managed to win the Plattsburgh tournament with 31 schools in attendance in that, and he won it. Um, beat the number five ranked kid in the state from Cameron to win it. So uh, just a little shout for the Spoofhound wrestlers out there. Um, I know Court Watkins, his little brother um, – Big brother, if you just look at him, but his little brother, technically, um, also took third in the heavyweight division with that many schools there. That's that's impressive finish for them. 
they wrestled that tournament without Drew Spire, who was sick going into it, and uh, without Connor Weiss, who they haven't had all year because he's been training for the Blue-Gray game, um, All-American football game, which happened uh, yesterday in Dallas. So now they get Connor back for this weekend's MECs. Drew should be back. For the first time all year, Spoofhound Wrestling kind of has a full team, which is which is always good to have. It's better than not having a full team. So uh, going into MEC, is that should be interesting with all those guys. Uh, Drew, Connor, Karen are definitely the headliners with Court. The Turner Twins, um, Howard Dumpke, the assistant coach, told me today that he's thinking they're kind of finding their consistency a little bit. So that's good to have. Um, covered the spoof on girls wrestling today too. Uh, Keely Stratting um, really had, had a good performance, even though she didn't battle down there um, as the only girl wrestling. Uh, Katie Weiss went with uh, Connor to Dallas for his all American game. So um, the MEC champion wasn't, wasn't in attendance at Plattsburgh, but she'll be back this week. Uh, home wrestling meet for them on Thursday highlights a, a fun week of games. I know if we're going to circle any basketball games this week, too, uh, it's probably probably Platte Valley's girls' schedule with Mid-Buck coming up and uh, East Action on Thursday. Um, before we close out, any predictions for uh, East Action, Platte Valley? That should be a fun one. Uh, like I stated before, uh, I don't – Platte Valley shouldn't lose again until uh, State, if they do there. Um, so I, I predict them winning. Uh, East Ashton should give them a good game. Um, the problem for the Wolves, though, will be, um, you know, when I've seen them this year, it's, you know, they've lived off the three-point shot. Um, and as we, as we know, Platte Valley has the guards to kind of take that away from you. Um, so that, I think that'll be the biggest difference in that one. Um, but, you know, next week, uh, you know, throughout the county, uh, a lot of good games, uh, tough matchups for everyone. Um, so it should be a fun week of basketball. Definitely should be. And next week we'll be back to uh, – I know we just finished the tournament week, but we've got one in a week again. So uh, we'll be back next week to uh, break down what happened this week and uh, talk about – a uh, bunch of good tournaments next week with the Cameron tournament for Maryville, Platte Va- or North Platte tournament for Platte Valley, uh, Northwest Missouri tournament has West Norway, North Norway, Norway Holt in it, and then uh, the Blue Jays of Northeast Norway are headed to the King City tournament. So, should be an interesting, interesting week. But we'll talk a lot more about that next week. Until then. This has been John Dykstra and Anthony Crane, and we are signing off.